Hey, 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 it's me, Katie here. Grab a notebook, add a cuppa, and join me in the Sociology Staff Room. Hello, and welcome to the Sociology Staff Room. Um, we have Vicky Lyons speaking to us today about EAL, uh, English as Additional Language. Uh, really excited for lots of different reasons about this. I think, one, because as a sociology teacher, you know, it's something we talk about. And secondly, obviously, just to enhance that, my own personal pedagogy, but I'm sure for other people as well. So hello, Vicky, first of all, how are you? Hi, I'm good, thank you. You all right? Oh, so, yeah, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. I'm very good, actually. Uh, we had our summer, we had our summer. That one day was our summer, so I hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I got sunburned, so it's fine. <laughs> um, so anyhow, please tell us first a little bit about yourself. Um, tell me, Vicky, about sort of your background and how you got into uh, understanding and working with the AAL and your background. Um, okay, so I, I've been a teacher for um, over a decade, I think it's about 13 years, 14 years now. Um, I was a history specialist and then kind of transferred into social sciences. So I um, delivered sociology and psychology as well, um, to, uh, only at A level, though I taught history all the way through. Um, sociology, we were a very successful department, which was really, really positive. We had some very good Alps results and things like that. So excellent stuff all on there. Um, and I really enjoyed teaching those two subjects. I know a lot of us do, a lot of um, the social sciences out scientists out there do teach both subjects which is always a really lovely balance um, and yeah so I did that for for um, like I said over a decade and recently I've transitioned out of the classroom into um, the county council I work for a team called MTAS most of you have equivalents in your regions in your areas and uh, we work with minority ethnic um, children and families including new arrivals and second and third um, generation migrants and um, we also deal with um, at part of the team deal with uh, supporting traveler families and the and um, all of the group all the uh, groups within that um, and so yeah so I've now kind of transitioned out of the classroom so I really only do tutoring now for the A-level subjects and I work uh, primarily training schools and working with children um, specifically to uh, unpick if there are where the bar barriers are um, appropriate strategies to apply to support them provisions and things like that um, and then on the other hand when I was in the classroom uh, I was a senko as well so I went down the kind of inclusive teaching and learning route I spoke focused specifically on uh, inclusive teaching and learning special educational needs and um, then kind of expanded to the EDI agenda um, and intersectionality which is a, a big a big focus for all of us at the moment in educational discourse so a bit of a, a you know many hats at some points so it's all kind of come together under my current role as an advisory teacher oh my goodness i feel like there's so many other questions i now want to yeah. ask you like i feel like now my head's going it's funny enough just before i came here i was talking um to to duncan who is our sociology lead to, to, to you about um some of the things you've just mentioned particularly the the traveler community so i might if there's an opportunity to find out other little things you know i'm sure there's lots of teachers that sort of get support with that you know the strategies you've said and obviously for lots of different reasons not just because we care about pedagogy but obviously as sociologists as well um obviously for those people we know what eal stands for english is additional, lang additional language but from a sort of professional sense what because we sort of had a little pre-chat before you came on um and some of the sort of i suppose 
just the clarity around it and what that means because I've, I've done my own little bit of research before I came on just to sort of make sure that I understood and understand the Bell Foundation does a bit of work uh, has done some research on that and that actually there's not much when it gets to our sort of level which is GCCA level from post 16 there's only a two to three percent difference although say only a difference is a difference uh between students that are English as a digital language and those that are not so obviously it's it's a, it's a difference but not say for other factors um within education um but yeah tell me a little bit more about what that means and what that looks like for us as A-level teachers. Yeah, I, I suppose because at post-16 there are many different routes, you probably um, see the kind of disparity in outcome change because actually you're probably having a small selection of the students going up into the A-level um, uh, kind of uh, um, courses. And, um, and and that's fantastic, obviously, because it means that children are, and young people are going into educational routes that really... Um, hopefully support their their interests their engagement their academic profile their proficiency and their skills and their employment opportunities and all those wonderful things and they can then thrive so the likelihood is is that the children who are taking um a levels as that quite traditional academic route are probably the ones that have the highest level of proficiency in english and therefore they're you know they, they are on par with their peers their first language you know english is a first language peers so the disparity probably is is um uh smaller what i would be interested in seeing is how underrepresented they are in the entries so in terms of you know our, our, our population of um learners who come with english as an additional language um out of that overall kind of cohort how many of them are accessing a level and how many of them are like maybe siphoned off into the less academic courses not because of those things I've just listed their engagement and their interest and their and and their employment um, options but actually because they they simply don't have the proficiency in English to access it at that point um, and that would be the real problem for me because that shows that actually the A-levels um, are not supporting EAL learners um, and therefore you know ultimately uh, limiting their options as learners and as developing adults and and eventually whatever route they take so that could be it yeah, and I suppose for us as, as as teachers, our sort of key responsibility is to ensure engagement and that students are maximising their potential. Um, and obviously, if they're capable academically of doing A levels, our job is to therefore ensure those students are getting the support and strategies that require. Um, obviously, they get it in whatever school. I know that different schools have different requirements to get in, so it might be X amount of uh, level nines to fives or you know, some does do it as a point system. So what, I mean, I've, we know this, you know, sociology particularly, or the social science, but sociology for sure is a very dense subject from an essay writing point of view. You've got those big 30 markers, your 20 markers. You've also got those sort of 10 markers where they've got to take something from an item and make a link. Oh, yeah, there, there are some really high level skills in those questions, even the smaller answer questions. Yeah, yeah. So then, yes, yeah, so, so from a sort of, I mean, there's lots of positives, isn't there, as well? And I would think uh, that's important to talk about as well for those students that we may have in the classroom that English is their additional language. But how can we support them the best we can, one, inside the classroom and also outside the classroom? Um, how can we do that? I know you've, you know, there's lots of different strategies that are out there, but what would you say in your role as an advisor? 
So really, it's just about adaptive teaching and quality first teaching. I think what we have to realise is if you've got if you've got a young person who is, has that EAL profile, it's being able to gauge their proficiency level. So as you mentioned, the Bell, the Bell Foundation is one of, you know, like a absolutely fantastic pool of resources. And, and in it, it will talk, tell you about um, the, the the standards are in terms of the the developing levels of proficiency in English and you start from A which is kind of absolutely new to the language there is no vocabulary you do not speak it understand it, etc and you go through to um, fluent and that should be should be and I say should be because it's quite nuanced uh, that you are able to engage independently in all work um, you know not as if you were a first language speaker because um, as I'll say in a second you know the, the uh, agility of langu language is actually far more nuanced than that um, but at least you can work independently access textbooks at an age appropriate level um, and uh, a kind of the academic level required of you um, so what in terms of that you know you've got to think well my students are probably at that top level of proficiency which means that they can speak it read it understand it but I think as A-level teachers, we know that actually um, real skilled A-level um, studying and understanding and thriving in those subjects goes beyond the basic comprehension of this is what the information says and this is how I'm going to recall it. And that for uh, A-level teachers with EAL students is where the key is because Actually, it takes many years for a, a child who is learning English as an EAL student, um, takes them far longer to nail that intuitive academic language that we develop over our entire educational lives when we've been in the British education system since the age of um, three or four, and when we've been immersed in the English language all the time. Um, mm. And so that is the biggest thing. So what that's called is it's called CALPS, which is um, Cognitive Academic Language, essentially. And that's the key for us, because actually we know as A-level teachers, we need children and young people who are agile with language. They experiment with language. They are able to infer from that item, that 10 marker. The trick to that one is not the length necessarily. It's that ability to read that item and be able to play with with it and experiment with it and take that prior learning activate it and blend it and bring in all those facts and data and and even the kind of hypotheticals and that is something that is actually beyond uh, being a fluent English speaker that requires skill level that those EAL learners need to be supported with and that's I think the key at A level um, obviously the longer the student has been in the country the longer they've had um, to be exposed to that kind of learning and you would hope that you know if they've been in GCSEs and key stage three particularly as well they've probably acquired those skills but some of those learners may not have had that length of time and also if they maybe migrated when they were in year seven they would have spent the first three or four years acquiring basic language not the cognitive language so they're always going to be a step behind their first language peers and I think as A-level teachers that's the focus it's not the can they read and understand it it's can they um, elaborate, interrogate, develop, um, think on a on a on that a that top A level plane, and um, if they're not able to express themselves in that way, that's what's going to prevent them from really thriving and ultimately gaining the outcome they deserve. 
Yeah, definitely. And I think that's the thing you said, like the outcome those students deserve. So what can we, on a practical level, you know, you've got a a sociology teacher with one, two, multiple students with um, EAL in their classroom. Uh, Obviously, there's positives, you know, with that, you know, there's sort of, you know, multiple understanding of languages and, um, you know, I've got a bit of a biased story behind it because my mum's, English is additional language. So my mum's understanding of, I know, the English language is sometimes better because of the way that she was taught and how adjectives and nouns and all that sort of thing that's like, you know, makes up a sentence. And there's lots of understanding of that. But then how do we, like you said, that sort of cognitive understanding, how do we, and that's, I think, use the word agility, how do we, I suppose, support our students with that in the lesson? Well, I think with any with any student, um, it's all about exposure and immersion in language. Um, I think don't be afraid to sometimes prioritise um, kind of uh, experimentation and engagement with the language over the content. And I know that everyone's going to scream at me and they're going to say, the A-level's too big as it is. I don't have enough time to cover it. But actually, the more that you experiment with the the information, transforming it, using, you know, use different words, build up a vocabulary bank of synonyms and antonyms and connectives, create complexity within sentences. Don't just um, focus on one word answers or one sentence, but how about you give them the paragraph and they transform it. All of these things immerse them in language. And the more you do it, and that's the key, it has to be done consistently because if you introduce a, a person to a new term and then don't return to it for another half a term, it's not going to have made the impact. It's not going to be um, kind of profound in their learning. And they're probably not going to be able to apply it intuitively, independently by themselves. So don't be afraid to, and there's a fantastic term when it comes to metacognition called um, um, uh, productive failure, you know, in terms of you're not trying to get them. Yeah, it's, it's a fantastic thing. So it's basically, you're not trying to teach them the spec. You're not trying to teach them, you know, how to, how to go from A to B or B to C. You're actually teaching them those skills of critical thinking. So it might be, problem solving and the content the the spec is the is is not the hero of the task it's the critical thinking skills that are the things that are being refined because let's face it they could write an essay or they could do a quiz for homework you don't need to give them the quiz in the lesson um they could do that another time you are there as a facilitator to kind of nurture critical thinkers and if you're doing that um that 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 is sometimes needed um, you know, mm. I've done lessons before where entire lessons have been, you know, uh, I think I did one on the Industrial Revolution and, and the focus was actually um, limer- uh, sorry, riddles. They had to solve riddles to get from stage one to two to three to four. Yes, the, the information and the riddles were about the Industrial Revolution, but I actually wanted my students to uh, refine their critical thinking skills, their problem solving um, skills. Generation is another term um, with that metacognition is sometimes I- ignored. You know, the low stakes quizzing is the thing that everyone kind of has taken away from uh, the Ofsted handbook. But um, actually, generation, generating solutions, generating um, uh, uh, 
journeys of solutions so that even if the outcome is wrong you have generated a journey of problem solving and you learn from those mistakes or you learn from the strengths so i think it's all about language immersion and and chances and and opportunities to experiment with it um i think that's probably a really effective way of doing it and there's so many different teaching and learning opportunities to do that uh, it really does depend on the ch- the ch- child or young person because every even if you have five EAL students in your class, uh, they're not a homogenous group. You know, they're all going to have different um, academic profiles, different proficiency levels, different engagement levels, different personalities, because ultimately that's paramount, isn't it? That our children and young people feel safe and secure. You're not never going to have a thriving learner if they are not secure learners. Um, so I, I I can't say that there's like a one size fits all rule for teaching EAL. It's knowing your students and knowing what they respond to and what they resonate with best. Mm, there's so much there, so much you just said. And I wrote a couple of words down, obviously, productive failure and uh, uh, generation, is it generations? Is, yeah. Is that what you said? Yeah. And so like what people have talk, taken away, was, uh, funny enough, I was speaking about this the other day with someone, is that idea there's a lot around retrieval practice, but actually there's, it's more than that. It's that high order thinking, that metacognition you mentioned. Um, just sort of, I suppose there's a question around that. And this, again, may be a leading question. But I sense from listening to you talk that all these methods would work for all students. So, yes, you're mindful of your students that may have EAL. And obviously, like you said, they're not a homogenous group. There's lots of students that will have different different coming up with different skills and attributes like you said but actually all those techniques that adaptive learning those approaches work for all students so I, th- I remember we had a guest on or nearly beginning of the last year actually that talked about oracy in the classroom and how important that is and uh, when you were talking it made me really flip back to that and how oracy and that sort of like you talked about immersive um getting immersive with language is sort of a really good way to do that and then to get familiar with key terms and, and sort of well, thinking about that. What, what you've got to remember is oracy is the foundation of literacy. So if you if you skip that, if you feel that, oh, it's all right, they they write in their exam, I'm not going to worry about their, their understanding of the verb of the verbal word and being able to express themselves, then you have absolutely, you know, you've just compromised their entire academic development and and you're never going to see the impact from your teaching that if you can't say it you can't write it if you can't say it you can't read it which means you can't then write it so you've got to have that linguistic exposure um, verbally and now I mean some children are shy right so I'm not saying that you have to force children to do um, participate in oracy based tasks all the time but what I'm also saying is that you know their their inner voice if they can say it in their mind they can in English they can write it ultimately the spelling will come the writing will come the read but it's got to be said first and so oracy tasks are fantastic um and they are the foundation of um that that the foundation for all teachers to really understand for um all their learners but particularly their learners with eal profiles yeah definitely i feel like a lot of what you said makes so much sense and i was just thinking you know how lots of students would just benefit from all of these strategies and like you said you know the role of particularly I can't speak for other subjects, but I know a lot of the humanities. Critical thinking is the skill, isn't it? That's what you're developing. It's not a bank of just knowledge. 
because and carrying around this jar of key concepts and studies and and theories that those have to be manipulated assessed compare contrasted which is obviously like you said that high order thinking i know that you talked about before we came on was ai and we've spoken to another guest about ai ChatGPT particularly and how we can use that in the classroom how then i know that you're quite interested in that and how we can use that with eal students and i was thinking oh how does that work just is it just particular is it one of those things again that are really good for students and particularly it, it benefits it, i think sometimes i find that a lot of the strategies particularly help eal students or students may have educational needs but then actually all students benefit from it anyhow so it's not like you know i'm trying to think back to when my first teaching training was you know different colors of paper for different students which is you know makes me cringe when i think back to it like i was i remember even then thinking this is terrible like why would you give someone different color paper and different activities um and obviously now lots of research suggests that's not the right way to go about it um but yes you know tell me more tell me more about how we can use ai yeah. it's, students. Um, it's obviously still really um really early days you know we're exploring and i, I want to preface it, this with that it, it, this is definitely an area that um, i am exploring with other um advisory teachers in the in the southeast as well so we have set up a small working group where we're playing with it and and i'm focusing specifically on on marking and feedback so um yeah you're right a lot of this probably could be used for all learners it's you know quality first practice and and i'm there are definitely um flaws there are definitely risks with using this as there always is with any teaching and learning tool there's always a risk um and it's really about you know is it a manageable risk is it an acceptable risk are there you know or is it going to derail the entire lesson so for example big thing about chat gtp um and the reason why we're focusing on that is obviously because it's free and so, um, you know, there, you don't have to pay subscription fees or anything like that. Uh, there's a big problem is that quite often it's hard to get on. If there's too many users, you try and go on and it just says we're too busy, we can't do it. So, well, if you've got period two sociology and, you are you, and you're planning on the whole lesson for, to use chat GTP, um, your, your whole lesson is derailed. So there, there are things like that, that it's, there, there's unpredictability with chat GTP. But when it does, um, when it is accessible, there could be some really effective um, ways to use it. Um, so one of the things that I've been playing with is the marking and feedback. So what we have to really remember is that um, we want to we utilise the young person's first language, and that's key. Um, don't ignore the person's first language because that's the language they're most proficient in. So that's where they can really express themselves most. And it's probably where they feel most secure. It's also like an equity rich model. Our EAL learners spend so much of their time being told about their deficit. They're being measured in the area that they know is their weakest area. Um, it's an area that they can't, you know, they can work and work and work, but they, they know they're not as proficient. So one of the things that we, we looked at and I was looking at was how I can use ChatGTP to uh, potentially translate, uh, but mark work in that student's first language now i am not fluent i'm monolingual i'm horrific um i do not speak any other language um and so i if i asked a child or a young person to write an essay for me in their first language i wouldn't know if it's correct um so chat gtp you can do that you can um 
you can give it a mark scheme, for example, um, with the levels. Uh, you'd have to type it up yourself. So, you know, there's a little bit of work that has to go into this, like there is for any teaching and learning tool. The more information you give the engine, the more specific and the more effective it will it will you know, give you the responses. So you can give it a mark scheme, say, say the 30 mark essay, you know, there are four levels or five levels, whatever it is, and you've got criteria, success criteria of the things that you can show it. And da -da. Now, what you can then do is you can ask the student to write their full essay in their first language into the engine, you know, and so let's say it's um let's say it's ukrainian so their type because obviously that's a big group at the moment that a lot of our students are you know we, we've got a larger amount of refugees coming in so let's say they type in ukraine and they're happy they're typing in the language that they are most proficient in they're most confident in they type in they you know da, 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 da. and then what you can do is chat gtp will mark that and give them feedback in their first mm -hmm. language and we i've tried it and it levels it accurately so I uh, wrote a, 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 a an answer. In so it actually marks it for you. It leveled it. It leveled. Oh, leveled it. it. So that's, so that's wow. Yeah. Wow. So I, I, I did not know I, that. Yeah, yeah. So I gave an answer to a question, and I knew it was. Um, a kind of a low level answer all right i didn't want to make it a perfect answer i wanted to see whether or not they could identify answers that were kind of low range low out low like maybe like the level two out um grade level um i wrote it and i asked them i asked it to translate it into ukrainian for me uh, and it did and then i um so I, you. so I then um so and then I translated it back because I wanted to see because obviously we do have a big problem with uh, translating apps and translating programs. They sometimes will lose the integrity of the, the stuff gets lost in translation. And I wanted to check that if it went into Ukrainian or if, and then came back, the the meaning of the the work hadn't been lost. And and it wasn't. Some of the wording was slightly different, but it, I hadn't lost the gist of the word. So you can time. translate as well in it as well. You can you can yeah. translate in Chat GTP. I think the the thing to remember the disclaimer there is it appears from what i can gather nothing is as good at translating as a person um things get lost in translation meanings get a little bit skewed words and things and remember you've got to remember as well particularly in in um non-european languages um there are simply not the words that we have in the english language in other languages and that can mm. cause real confusion um or they don't have the meaning so they kind of translate it literally and you lose the nuanced meaning to some of the those key term key terms that we teach as sociologists uh, anyway so that worked um and then so anyway so i i got them to i got this answer translated into ukrainian and then i said uh mark this answer using this and it leveled it wow. correctly and it said this is a level two answer and i was like bang on well done and it actually told me why it was a level two answer and it kind of <laughs> said something like you've got the information the comprehension but it didn't evaluate or something like that um so it can't give you targets it's not that intuitive or at least i didn't ask it to be that intuitive um but it was able to level it and give feedback in the first language. So it's the crazy. I mean, irrespective of EAL, I'm just thinking that is just crazy. That's blown my mind. Sorry yeah, to yeah. interrupt it, you. Yeah, it like... can do it in English as well. It can do it in English if you want. If you had a, a learner, so it's it's but um yeah. So it was accurate, and I tried it a few times, and it it worked every time I did it. They so my my marking matched. 
the marking of the of, of chat gtp so i was like that's <laughs> I'm laughing i'm yeah. sorry i'm not laughing at it i'm just it's more out of shock i think the word shock <laughs> me not only can it mark it but also so i'm assuming the mark scheme is in english right yeah 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 and yeah. then the student is writing in their their first language so what, what, I, what I, yeah so what I did was I um I put the mark scheme into English I wrote I gave it then the translated the version I gave it um, Ukrainian I then translated it into English uh then I got it to mark it and it marked it correctly then I asked it to give the feedback in Ukrainian and it gave the feedback in Ukrainian. So yeah there are lots of, and and that's one of the small issues with it it's fantastic but is it practical in the classroom? There, are, there is quite a bit of faff to go around. Um, you have to practice, I think, a lot because it's instantaneous, my word, but yeah. you would have to go back to this person quite constantly and you'd have to type it into together. You'd, it's, it's very much a collaborative relationship between the student and the teacher and using that same device. But if you mm. can do that, how fantastic and um, mm. if you've all got them sat down working on an essay and you're doing live feedback that is live feedback it's just using the, the chat gtp now that's one thing so you know you've got this security you've got this student who's just written an essay in ukrainian you know it's at a level two so you could then potentially type in and say right i you know we know as teachers generally what has to happen to get from level two to level three or level three to level four perhaps something like that so you might say could it you know maybe you need another paragraph something like that anyway that and that's fine that's that's what could happen or you can then say to them brilliant you're at a level two so you in your head you've gauged this child this student is working at x level but they don't get examined in ukrainian so what I would always recommend is you then say right I'm happy that I know that your knowledge is at x place I would like you now to translate your essay and try and write it in English and you can say I've I know that you know the knowledge this is you experimenting with language can you apply your translations now and the good thing is about this is the students already been praised it's that equity rich model you're not saying you're not giving them a challenge that they are just intimidated by you're saying you've already done it now just try it in a different way and they're not going to write as much and it's not going to be probably as skilled perhaps it's not maybe gonna, it's maybe gonna have but they've already done it once and succeeded. And I think that's really good. And that's something that um, we call translanguaging, where you use, you utilize their first language as a springboard into the new language. And that's an equity rich element because, you know, rather than constantly saying you don't you don't write well enough you go you write brilliantly in that language now let's practice in that language and it might take longer they might need to have it as a homework whereas the other students have got a different homework perhaps but they are practicing their skills they're translating but they are also secure in the knowledge when you're secure in the knowledge that they've got it their access to the curriculum is not compromised they understand the concepts they understand the skills they're now you're now focusing on that language acquisition and experimentation so that was one of the ways in which um, I've been playing with chat gtp as an as a form of assistive technology for students who have um who uh, access the curriculum through a, a second language wow i'm, I'm literally I'm, I'm actually speechless i mean 
Wow, I didn't even think of that. I mean, I've used it to do like quizzes and, you know, write me sort of mock answers where we can mark them. But I didn't even think of that for our students. And I was thinking to myself as you were talking, you know, it's that the idea that the students then are, like you said, appraised and they're, you know, that springboard of feeling like, well, actually, I do know the stuff. I think it's something similar I do, I've done previously with students that feel, are maybe coming in quite like sort of a, a lower level of English, maybe just sort of, sort of got level, I suppose equivalent level fours probably, and I've just got in and I've got them to write an essay about anything they love, you know what I mean? So that they sort of then feel like, actually I do know how to write essays, it's just that I now need to develop the knowledge, which is the other way around from what you were talking about, the almost the opposite. But that's, yeah, that's blown my mind, that really has. Um, I know we could speak forever because I have got lots of other questions to ask you, but I feel like if it's all right with you to ask you to come back on again, because I really, really want to find <laughs> more about how to support our, you know, because obviously in sociology, differential achievement is something that we have to talk, We, you know, one we have to talk about in sociology, but also I feel like we have a, we have to be able to do that within our classroom as well. Although we talk about it, we have to be able to do it within our classroom and to prevent all those pitfalls it's, that we talk about really in the curriculum. Easy, isn't it? It's really yeah. easy where where morality and this is a you know this this is a real bugbear of mine. Um, we've lost morality in education, and as practitioners, because our currency is outcome, we forget. Even though we teach the content where content shows inequality and systemic um, uh, kind of per, uh, discrimination and and you know all of these things, these, these critical theorists. Um, we we are still ultimately trying to get the best amount out of you know the currency be the wealthiest department have i got alps one and two and we forget that actually there is morality in education these are young people these are developing yeah. adults who are absolutely and particularly our eao learners you know uh students who who are not native to this country um they 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 are just the the cognitive load that they experience day to day even those students that are fluent even those students that might be you know uh, really able to be left independently they are translating they are almost daily interacting with unknown um stimulus they they are having to navigate they're, tr they're having to apply knowledge that they don't necessarily have and um and learn from those mistakes which is obviously what we all do but but we i think we always forget just how hard it is to be a learner today and that morality in our education is really needed to come oh, back in and at the end of the day the government aren't going to do it and so the it's us as practitioners in our classroom that have to I can hear I can hear your passion that this is your why this is why you do it and this is why you go each day into into the advisory role uh, um, I feel this is not enough normally yeah it's so so interesting so powerful and I I don't want to sort of skirt across things so I will be messaging straight after this and saying <laughs> look can, I, can we look at how we support because obviously I know that that's your area you're working with so I know we've looked at EAL but how as as like you said moral morally in education um how do we support our learners so we're not you know we're teaching stuff and then we're actually doing the stuff avoiding the stuff that we've taught in the classroom particularly and this is why i just want to signpost is as you mentioned earlier the traveler community who for some reason this is just my sideline isn't like mentioned when we teach the sociology of education with ethnicity um I'm just going to leave it there because I feel like this is a conversation in itself. I mean, I personally teach it and I've written it on here in a big square, but it's not. 
and I want and I want to sort of look and explore and your ideas and really sort of pull your your thoughts around this. Um, but I, you know, I want to say thank you. What I want to say is just is there any recommended reading that if anyone particularly is interested in that would like to sort of if there's a particular website or a book. Oh. Um, there's so much there is so much I mean uh, it depends I suppose it depends on what um what what approach you want to want to come into so um r the Runnymede um group they they mm. focus on a kind of uh, minority ethnic research mm. um they don't I, I don't know if they do EAL per se uh, but they definitely have some fantastic researchers um uh, and papers about you know uh, institutionalized racism and and the many forms so those of you those people that teach paper three it would be fantastic if you if you want to google running me they've got a fantastic thing about like over policing and you know target hardening and, and they've also got some a, a paper i think recently came out about um kind of like over policing in schools so i think that mm. links obviously to exclusion data and things like that yeah. in terms of eal um i think start at the bell that is a fantastic resource um there are what i, I mean oh gosh what i'll probably do is maybe i will email you links and maybe Just you ladies. can like add it under the video because it depends That's on what idea. floats your boat um because a, a lot of the stuff as well is basic oh it's not basic but it's it's teaching and learning so theories about metacognition they are um they, they are to do with cognitive science and then what you have to do is layer in the sociological ideas of culture and ethnicity so all of that stuff about you know uh, self-regulated learners and um, the importance of those two strands of metacognition and that's the big thing don't forget that there's a second strand of metacognition that Ofsted and other leaders do not talk about so yes there is the agility and control over your knowledge but there's also the need that that has to be balanced with the control over your own cognitive processes and if you are not attuned to how your cognitive processing works all those low state quizzes do nothing because you have to balance the two as practitioners which is why i said things like productive failure and generation they fall into that second strand of uh, control over one's cognitive processing balanced with control over one's um, information blend the two Amazing. and you have the most you have the best learner um so i think i think all of those things um are, are really good and what i'll do is i'll find some uh, particular eal uh, and like you said it's thin on the ground particularly at a level um there's probably not as much information about supporting eal learners post 16 as there there is any other age group definitely but i yeah. will have a i'll have a little look and see what i can pull out of my library Oh yes, please. I'm personally, I'm really passionate about this. Uh, maybe because of my my mum and her sort of background. I think um, I know for me, uh, it's just like a, a more antidotal bit of idea. Is is it, is it called idioms? Where like part of the English language is to sort of use that um, as a, as a second generation. I don't I don't personally understand them. So I know I love I do love an analogy, but I think it's more the sort of the I don't know. I can't even think of one. Oh, oh like we, 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 that, yeah. quite often like pull your socks up yeah no absolutely yeah. we quite often say like do not um one of our recommendations to teachers when we write reports uh, for specific children obviously it might be something like 
avoid using um, sim- symbolic language or language that requires that kind of insight because bless them it, you take it literally yeah. what do you mean pull my socks up are my socks are pulled up what do we you know and and that's where yeah. those cultural norms clash with learners as well yeah. so it's not just their their proficiency in the language it's also their ability to navigate all forms of you know language like like symbolism and metaphors and uh, yeah. sarcasm which let's face it we're not allowed to be sarcastic with students anyway because uh you get you offend too many people when you're sarcastic but um yeah de- definitely and, and and then of course it does open the debate of, of eal in terms of second generation third generation migrants so children who whose parents were born in this country but there's still the legacy of the eal kind of barrier um particularly culturally as well and i think that's a really interesting thing as we have a um, aging migrant population who have increasingly got you know next generations who are you know born in the UK and have always known the UK doesn't mean that they're necessarily first language speakers and I think that's a that's a really that that's a big can of worms to open that one oh I'm not, I'm definitely going to get you back on I'm definitely going to get you back on I'm going to mess with you later about this <laughs> but thank you for your time Vicky I really appreciate it and have a lovely evening it's like blow my mind so thank you <laughs> thank you very um, much really thank impressive you. thank you thank you for your passion you thank later. you thank you bye-bye the sociology staff room is brought to you by tutor to you sociology Find us at tutortoyou.net forward slash sociology or follow us on Twitter at tutortoyousoc or Instagram at tutortoyousoc. You can also join our very lively Facebook groups for sociology teachers. See you soon.